Let us bow our heads just a moment in the presence of Almighty God to worship. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to Thee for the privilege of coming to Thee in the name of Thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray that You will forgive us of every trespass that we have committed against Thee, then that we might be received tonight into thy fellowship. And may the Holy Spirit take the word and minister to us tonight according as it would please thee. And give unto us of thy love and thy forgiveness and of thy blessings that we might have a great fellowship together. Heal the sick and the needy. Save the lost. Give glory unto thyself, for we ask that in Christ's name, amen. And be seated. It is a, indeed a privilege to serve the Lord any time, and we are very grateful to be here in Phoenix tonight, and we are trusting that God will give us the exceedingly abundantly of his blessings. And now, if I should call it so we can get quickly into the Word. I am one person that believes that faith cometh by hearing the Word, and I believe that God keeps His Word. And we're going to read tonight out of the Gospel of St. John, and the 11th chapter, and the 17th verse. And when Jesus came... He found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And if I would take for a text tonight, as I have chosen for a few moments, I would take this text, and then Jesus came. This we have before us tonight is one of the greatest of all the scriptures that we have in the New Testament of the proof and the seal of Christ's divine messiahship. This was one time that it took all the wind, as to say, out of the unbeliever's sails of this great event. No man could raise the dead except God alone. And this man had been dead and buried four days. Corruption had already set in. His nose had fell in. And the skin worms was eating him up. And anyone knows that no one could raise the dead 
outside of being God alone. Some time ago, I was in a discussion with a lady who was a religious person, or she claimed to be, and she said to me, Mr. Branham, I admire your preaching, but there is one thing that you do wrong. And I said, I am always glad that someone will tell me where I am wrong, for I want to be right. And I appreciate anyone who will tell me that when I am wrong, it shows your love for me. But then in being wrong, it's got to be proven wrong. And the proven wrong has to be by God's Bible. And she said to me, here's where you're wrong. You place too much on Jesus. You make him divine. And he was not divine. I said, lady, if you can prove that by the Bible, then I will accept it. And she said, I most certainly can prove it by the Bible. I said, then I want to know where. And she referred to this scripture, St. John 11. She believed that he was only a prophet and just an ordinary man, a good man, a prophet. Now, if Jesus was only a prophet, then we are all lost and an error. He was nothing short of Jehovah God being manifested in the flesh. He was divine. So she based her thoughts on this. She said, then, if I can prove to you that he was just merely a man, will you then accept it if I prove it by the Bible? I said, yes, ma'am, but I don't believe it can be done. She said, on the road down to the grave of Lazarus, I suppose you are familiar with the text. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, the Bible said Jesus wept. And said, that proves that he was a man. That he could only weep being a man. I said, that is true. But when he stood at the grave of Lazarus and called another man who had been dead for days, that was more than a man. That was the God in that man. I said, it is true that he was a man when he came down off the mountain hungry and searched all over the tree to find food. 
He was hungry like a man. But when he taken five biscuits and two fishes and fed five thousand, that was more than a man. That was God in the man. And it is true that he tired like a man. For one night after virtue had went from him all day long, preaching, praying for the sick, he was so tired until the little rocking ship out on the sea in the waves, bouncing around like a little bottle stopper, when perhaps maybe 10,000 devils of the sea swore they'd drowned him that night, when they caught him in a weakened condition, laying in a boat asleep, he was resting and sleeping like a man. That's true. But when he put his foot on the brail of the boat and looked up towards heaven and said, Peace, and to the ocean be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed him, that was more than a man. That was God. And it's true that he called for mercy at the cross. When he was dying, he called for mercy like a man, for he died like a man. For he had our sins upon him, bearing them away. He was a man in his death. But on Easter morning, when the Roman seal, neither could the grave or death hold him, he proved he was God. No wonder the poet said, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever, someday he's coming, oh glorious day. That's the day we are looking for. It's been the thing that has thrilled the hearts of prophets and poets through the ages. The Old Testament looked for two great events. One of them was the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the Holy Ghost. We look for two events, the outpouring in the last day and the second coming of the Lord. And we are now having the outpouring, and the second coming is at hand. Oh, how it thrills the heart of a believer to know that this great day we are living in. The scene that we have before us to prove a seal of his messiahship. I don't know, but I believe it was in a little story that I read. Might not be authentic. I believe it was Ingram's little prince of the house of David. And it's perhaps fiction. But a little story I was reading in the prince of the house of David, that Martha... And Mary and Lazarus were friends to Jesus. 
my heart's desire is to be, a friend of Jesus. There could be no greater friend in all the world than Jesus. And then we are taught in this little story and by the Bible that one day when Lazarus taken sick, now this little family had been excommunicated from their original church fellowship. And usually it will start just a little stir when you're going to believe on the Lord Jesus. And they had given up everything that they had called religious in order to believe on Him. And now, when they needed Him the worst in all the time of their life, there came a disappointment. Jesus had gone away. And if you read the Scriptures close, Jesus said in St. John 5, 19, I do nothing except my Father shows me first. Now we find that Jesus one day passing through a crowd of people, a little woman touched his garment. And he said he felt virtue go from him. But how much greater was the resurrection of Lazarus than that? And there's nothing recorded that he felt virtue go from him. What was it? One was the woman using God's gift. To the other was God using his own gift. Now that's what you see on the platform. Say what? I've had so much criticism. Say what makes you get weak? There's no need to try to explain it. It's past explaining. I can't understand it, but I can support it by the scriptures. But I cannot explain it. These visions that happen on the platform is the people doing that. That's your own faith. You do that. You are using God's gift. But then when I'm at home or somewhere or out in the courts and the Lord raises up and shows a vision, that doesn't make me weak. My wife is in the audience tonight, and no one would be a better authority than she to explain how these things come when we know nothing of it. Just be sitting, and sometimes the vision lasts for an hour or two hours. But instead of being weak, when I come out of it, I'm happy and joyful. That's God taking His gift and showing something. And the people can draw remunerations by their faith through that gift. Now, God had showed Jesus to go away and stay for this amount of time. And many times we think that it's disappointing when we get down sick 
or we feel that something has happened. But if you just won't be discouraged and remember that all things work together for good to them that love God. The footsteps of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. Now this little family, as they were in the worst condition they had ever been in, Lazarus had taken sick, and they sent for their friend and buddy. He had sat at the table and had eaten many times from their table. They had made him a garment to wear. He laid his head upon the pillows that Martha and Mary had fixed the little needlework, trying to show all the respect that they could to him. And why would he turn them down when they were asking a favor? Many times we are led to that spot. Why is it if I go to church and I live before God with all my heart, I try to be a just, honest person, and all that Christianity requires, why is it that these things happen? But you know, many times they are blessings in disguisement. Many times we can't understand them. You just let them alone. God will work it out just right. Now, I want you to notice. This perhaps is the darkest hour this little family had ever seen. They had left their church. Their friend seemingly had forsaken them. And all that they held dear was gone. The breadwinner was gone. Their brother laying in the grave. And these two little helpless women excommunicated from the church, marked as a holy roller, fanatic for following the Lord Jesus could you imagine the scornful fingers of the city of Bethany pointing at them? Could you imagine hearing them say, Now where is that holy holy friend of yours? You see, when the showdown comes, he's gone somewhere else and refused to come help you. You know that devil hasn't died since then. He still lives, scornful. But somehow or another, when the darkest hour comes after four days, the man was rotting in the grave. Then they heard that Jesus was coming. And Martha had been dilatory and making ready for different things and so forth in the house. But she showed them what she was made out of. Oh, I believe to you Pentecostal people, 
that out here in the Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterian and Lutheran churches, there's a many Martha out there tonight. I believe when the showdown comes, they'll show what they're made out of. I believe it. And when Jesus came to the city, little Martha looked like she had a right to go out and fuss at him. But Martha had read a story once in the Bible that where a Shunammite woman had lost her son. And the Shunammite woman recognized that God was in the prophet. And if God was in his prophet, how much more was he in his son? She wasn't so much about the prophet, she was recognizing the God of the prophet. And she wasn't recognizing the man that seemingly had disappointed her, but the God that was in the man. Oh, there it is. Not the action of the church, but the power of God that's in the church. Watch. Oh, in that hour, no one knows how to sympathize unless they have come to that dark hour. One time way down in Babylon, there was a scene, a drama being set. And that was that one morning a furnace had been hit seven times hotter than it ever was hit or heated. Then, when the issue went forth that three of the believers of God that were standing firm on God's eternal promise, oh, I want you to see it. God has always respected any man who will stand firm on his promise. Oh, it looked like a dark time when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with their hands tied behind them. And as it was, the king sitting on his throne said, Now, boys, if you want to make a little compromising here and would like to change your decision, we'll give you a chance. But you know, that doesn't belong a compromising in the heart of a believer who solemnly sat on the saith the Lord. They said, our God is able to deliver us from them flames of the furnace, but nevertheless we will not bow down to your images. Oh, if the world tonight if you women tonight, if you men tonight, you women, when the devil comes to tempt you, when this sun gets a little warmer, to put on these old scandal clothes and get on the street and be popular, if you would say, I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few, regardless of what takes place, I made my decision for Christ.
and a few men would get that wishbone out of your back and a backbone in it and would take your wife by the hand and not let her do such a thing, God would respect you more for doing it. And you know that's right. There is times when man's got to stand and the devil will pull the mark with you. So with their hands tied behind them, on the death march, when the king called for the most able-bodied man that he had in his army to push them into the fiery furnace, on their death march with their hands tied behind them, standing firm on the promises that cannot fail, they walked that plank up to the top of that furnace when the intense heat was so great until the man that was behind them slew their bodies. Who had been fed on the king's wine and his beers and all of his fatness of his land and these people had pulse to eat. Their little frail body wasn't nothing in physical match with the bodies that were behind him. But man is not judged by how many muscles he's got. Man is judged by character. I've seen man that weighed 200 pounds and didn't have an ounce of man in him. Man is measured by character. And as the reason that heat didn't scorch those little brown Jewish bodies, God was in them hearts of beating. That made the difference. The Word was anchored in their heart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwell among us. And as they walked that death march, one looking to the other, up at the top of the plank just before they was to step in, it looked like the darkest hour that they had ever come to. And just as their darkest hour comes, as they made their final step down into the fiery furnace, then Jesus came along. That's the way he does. Just in the darkest of the hour, there's only one thing we have to do, and that's stand on God's eternal promises, regardless of what comes or what goes. Stand on the promise. Darkest of hour. And then Jesus coming on. It was one night when a little ship was out in the middle of the ocean or the sea of Galilee bouncing around like a bottle stopper out there. The winds were contrary. The oars had broken, and a bunch of little disciples hugging one another together for the last time 
that had perhaps sold everything on the farm and had tried to be healed by the doctors and none of them could do no good. She'd perhaps sold the team. She'd sold everything she had. Spent all her living and her poor little frail peaked body, her little pale cheeks, and every hope was gone. Nothing could take place. Of course, she had heard of Jesus, but he was all the way across the sea. And when the last penny had been spent, and when biscuits is made for breakfast, that fall scraped the bottom. There was no more oil in the cruise. The money was spent, and she was still sick and weak. And just in that darkest of hour, a little boat landed down there, and Jesus came along just at that dark hour. Oh, that's the way he does it. Now, she could not go to Jesus, but, oh, there is one blessed thing. You can't go to him, but he can come to you. And he has never at any time failed. One day, way down in the land of Gadaria, no doubt a sociable, God-fearing citizen once lived. And he got out with the wrong crowd. Maybe just married and had two or three little kitties. But he got mixed up in the wrong group. That's where many a young man and young woman loses out. Getting mixed up in the wrong group. The law wrong associates. And so, one night they take him out. Give him a drink. Oh, play a little game or do this or gamble a little. It won't hurt. Then the first devil entered him. He went home and had to tell his wife a lie. The second devil entered him. And all till he was possessed with the legion. And he got beyond any help. And the poor fellow was drove out into the tomb. Did you ever notice? The devil likes to dwell in tombs. The devil stays around an old dead place. And that don't exclude churches either. When they get dead. It's a devil's hangout. And the poor fellow was drove out into the tomb. The dead place. And they bound him with chains. And he would pluck them asunder. Now when the devil possesses a person, he becomes many times his strength. And if the devil can give you twice your strength, what do you think God could do to you people sitting on a wheelchair? 
God could do to you that's a sinner. If the devil can drive you into a bar room or out in the street in Marley or doing the things of the world which is contrary to your own nature because you were born to be a son and daughter of God and the devil can make you do things and cheat on your husband, cheat on your wife, steal, lie, how much more can God do when he gets full possession of you? And this fellow legion wants the gentleman no hopes down. He's out in the tombs with the devil. And year after year he got worse and worse. And he got so that no man could pass that way. Now he didn't want to hurt anyone. He knew better than to do that. But every time he seen someone, the devil would jump onto him and he'd go and try to kill that person. And so everyone feared him. He was excommunicated from all society, from the city. The devil had drove him out of his mind. And he was out in the tomb, the darkest hour that he had ever seen. And then Jesus came along. And he cast the devils out of him. And those devils went into a herd of hogs, and they had sense enough to go drown themselves. I've often wondered, when I get to heaven, I'd like to see how much strength his testimony had against hog raisers in that country after that. They didn't want any revival. It's going to cost them some hogs. They felt more home with the hogs and the devils than they did with the Lord Jesus. They wanted their hogs and asked him to leave. And that's the way it is tonight. People would rather stay in an old, stale, formal, ungodly, indifferent condition than to put up with a little wildfire now and I'd rather have it a thousand times to one. They feel better at home with the devils in their old condition. Drinking, smoking, gambling, wearing old dirty clothes and bobbing off their hair and doing all this other stuff that they do. Feel more at home doing that than you do to be called old-fashioned and have Jesus around the house. I'll take him a hundred billion times to the one the darkest of hours, then Jesus came along. Could you imagine Legion going back down to his home and finding where he used to live? The little wife had to sell the place, and he wondered where she was at. So he searched from place to place. Finally, someone said she lives down in the alley. And when he goes down there in a little tin shack, when the children see him coming, they run to hide. The wife grabbed up her little shawl and put her stars out the gate. And he said, never mind, honey. Never mind, children. Come here to daddy. I want to take you on my arms. 
I want to put my arms around you, sweetheart. Your little dresses are tore off. Oh, she said, what happened? He said, Jesus came along. That's what made the difference. Oh, wife, babies, come here. It was the darkest time the devils were tormenting me. And then Jesus came along. Oh, in those dark hours, the man laying at the pool, how he'd been for many years, about 38 years, with an infirmity. And he had brought him to the pool. He was getting old. And great multitudes laid there. And they tell us that they stabbed one another, trying to get into the pool first. And the poor fellow didn't have a chance. Some young fellow could push him back and get on in the pool. And he was laying there after suffering 38 years. The doctors had given him up. Nothing could be done. And he had no possessions but a little pallet he was laying on. Right in the darkest of his hour, then here comes Jesus along and said, Take up your bed and go into your house. Oh, it makes the human heart scream. Hallelujah. When you think of it, darkest of the hour. There was an old blind beggar, as we talked of last night, sitting by the gates of Jericho. All hopes gone. He was blind. Odds was against him. His age was against him. The public was against him. Everything seemed to be against him. And right while he sat in the darkest of the hour, then Jesus came along. And it turned his darkness unto light. All things seems to be all right when Jesus comes along. Always. Way after the resurrection, a disheartened little bunch of disciples had gathered at different places. Peter said, Well, I'm just going to go fishing. I'm so discouraged. How could it be that that one that I've seen called Lazarus from the grave, how could it be when I stood there and seen the woman of Nain, her only son dead, and he laid his hand on the barrier and said, Young man, arise! And I saw him come to life. I witnessed seeing Lazarus after being dead four days. Oh, grave clothes wrapped over his face and over his body come forth from the grave. I've seen him turn water to wine. I saw him touch a leper that was as white as snow and the very blush of health was in his cheeks in a few minutes. How could it be that he could hang on that cross with mockery soldiers spit on his face? How could it be that he could lay his hands down 
and could drive nails in his hand. How could it be that he'd permit a crown of thorns pulled down over his face and cross his feet and let him drive spikes in his feet? How could he stand there rolling after a cat of nine tail had split his back and the ribs are shining through? How could he let them treat him like that? How could he hang there between the heavens and earth and the blood running from him and let those mockery priests, his arch enemies, walk by and sassy? How could he let a Roman soldier put a band around his head and hit him and say, now you who prophesize and can foretell and Tell us who hits you. We are believe How could it be? How could it be that he could let that high priest walk out there? Say, come down off of the cross if thou be the Christ. And we will believe you. How could it be that a great person like that, who we believe to be the Son of God, could ever go through such torment and punishment as that and sit silent. Oh, it was a dark hour. The darkest hour they'd ever seen. See him pull the nails out, see him bow his head and die, and they take his body and put it in Joseph Armitius' grave. How could it be when he seen that big rock laid up there in the Roman seal put on it? How could it be he was so discouraged. He said, I just believe I'll go fishing. And the disciples said, Well, I'll go with you. All night long, in discouragement, they had pulled and they caught nothing. The Lord was gone. Seemed like everything was gone. They couldn't even as much as catch a fish. Right in their darkest of hours, someone stood on the bank and said, Children, have you got any meat? (laughs) On the road to Emmaus, on that first Easter morning, when the whole world wasn't bloomed with flowers, but the bees are humming on that beautiful April morning, Little did the disciples know that he was raised from the dead and was among the resurrection. And as his friend Cleopas and his friend was on the road to Emmaus, very much discouraged, but they were pondering on the scriptures. Did you notice? While they were talking on the scriptures, he appeared. And on the road down the darkest hours they had ever seen, ever in hope gone, and about that time Jesus come on the scene. But they didn't know him. And I'm sure that's the fault of many churches today. Jesus is here, but they don't know it. They don't realize it. And in this great hour that we're now living, in the day that when the nominal world is all bringing themselves together to form the mark of the beast. 
When the confederation of churches is swallowing them up, all denominations, and in the time that when even our full gospel brethren are differing and fussing and fighting and pulling and stewing over little bitty scriptural differences, and each one separating themselves and, and getting different and calling disciples, I begin to think it's more for a meal ticket and it is to get soul saved. But you know what? Right in this darkest of hours, right when they're making us uh, uh, order in the courts today that all these little preachers outside of the Confederation of Churches is not going to be able to broadcast anymore on the radio. And they're not going to have any television. They won't let them on there. What is it? Nothing but petty jealousy. They are trying to stop the message of God. They're trying to keep this from the people. They are ignorant that they're trying to do it. They don't realize what they're doing. But Jesus said it would be a time that they'd even kill you thinking they were doing God's service. But brother, the thankful part of it is right in this darkest of hour, Jesus is coming along. And he's proving himself alive. And I believe that he is here tonight. And I believe that he can, that he proves to us day by day and night by night that he is with us. So let them throw all the atomic bombs they want to. That's up to them. There's one thing that I know. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When all around my soul gives way, then he's all my hope and stay. For on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other sound Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to Thee tonight with grateful hearts that in all of our differences, in all of our little scruples and petty childlike things, You've come to us anyhow. You've come to visit us. And You are our guest. Oh, how we should treat you to know the only hope there is for humanity. And here you are tonight in our little ship as she stops from church to church, from place to place. But in this dark hour, you come to us and we are grateful to thee. And now, Lord, I pray if there be any sinners in the village at this night that they will recognize that you are here, and your presence is here, your spirit is here, and that you're wanting them to come to thee. Hear the prayer of your servant as I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my dear friend, as my mother always told me, this that words are meaningless unless they have a meaning that can be proved. All the preaching I could do would be no more than an auctioneer or anything else that could make a noise or preach on whatever they wish to unless God backed up what He said He would do. 
And then that's the preacher preaching. But when God comes and proves that what the preacher has said is right, then to disbelieve that is sin. What is sin? Unbelief. Smoking. Drinking. Using tobaccos. Gambling. Committing adultery. That's not sin. That's not sin. That's the attributes of unbelief. The reason you do that is because you don't believe. That's the reason you do it. If you believe Christ, you wouldn't do that. For you're born again when you believe. He that heareth my words, believeth on him that sent me, believeth on him that sent me, hath present tense everlasting life and shall not come to the judgment, but pass from death to life. That's Jesus' own word. Then when you believe on the Lord Jesus, accept him as your personal Savior, the Holy Ghost will baptize you then into the believers to confirm that faith, and then you are a real child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, ready for the rapture. Not with just a virgin, but a virgin with oil in the land, ready to go. May the Lord add his blessings. Now tonight, we are going to call some sick people up here to pray for them. And now I want to ask something. Is there anyone here who has never been in the meetings before? Would you raise your hand? Some God bless you. That's mighty fine. Thank you for coming. I wish to say this, my friend. I am not a healer. I cannot heal people. I don't believe there's any man, doctor, or hospital, or medicine that can heal people. I believe that healing, it lays in God alone. Now, a doctor can move of obstruction. He can set a bone, pull a tooth, take out a tumor. But that doesn't heal. That merely just moves the obstruction. God does the healing. Healing is creation. It's to create and to rebuild. And no medicine can rebuild your body. Only God alone can rebuild. Right. God is the one who heals. But God has sent in the church five different gifts. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Those are for the perfecting of the church. That is his proof, his ministering spirit to the church to bring the body of Christ together. And oh, I'd like to ask you this one thing. If Christ is alive, if he's alive tonight, not dead, but alive, and he'll come right here and do the very same things he did when he was here on earth, it would be a perfect proof that he is alive. Now, to me, this Bible is its either the truth or it isn't the truth. I'm an honest man or I'm not an honest man. You are a Christian or you're not a Christian. You see what I mean? Now, if this is not the Bible, if it's just like the Koran, let's forget about it. Go on, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. But if it is the Bible, let's embrace it. For it is the only book that tells you where you come from. 
who you are and where you're going. And this belief in it determines where you spend your eternal destination. Believe on him. Have faith in him. And the Bible declares that Jesus has raised from the dead, and Jesus said after he had raised from the dead, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. He said a little while in the world, now that world is uh, the cosmic word there, or cosmic, which means the world order, the church, the so-called church, the world won't see me no more. Just think, friends, before we start the prayer line. There is people in Phoenix tonight that would not believe Jesus Christ regardless of what he would do. Do you know the Bible said they were born to this condemnation? Right. God's not willing that any should perish. But being God, he knowed who would perish and who would not perish. He's not willing, but they will anyhow. To be God, he knowed ever flee, ever fly, ever mosquito, ever person, everything else that ever be on the earth before the earth was ever created. If he isn't, he wasn't God. Right. But he knows. And to you who have the privilege that God would knock at your heart and give you an opportunity to accept and to make a choice and then turn it down, brother, I say this with respect, but hell's not good enough. That's right. For a person who would realize that Jesus Christ is the only hope of eternal life. What Can you hope in your job to give you eternal life? Can you hope in your daddy or mama? Can you hope in your wife, your husband? Can you hope in your popularity? Can you hope in your society? Can you hope in your church? Can you hope in your pastor? Can you hope in the evangelist? No, sir. God alone can give you eternal life. And why would you hold to those things which are worldly and faltry and failing, even to your pastor, even to the church, even to the organization, to your societies, and everything? Why would you hold to that when the living Christ is here to give you eternal life? With a sworn promise, he'd raise you up at the last day, and you'd turn it down. Be sure you understand. And I'm trusting tonight. Do you know what? And let me say to this you with the, from my heart. One day before long, every person here is going to stand with me before Christ. And do you know our voice never dies? Do you know our thoughts in heaven is stronger than our voice on earth? And when God throws his big radar screen out there and your thoughts in this meeting tonight vibrate against it, what's going to happen at that day? Just think of that. Think of it, lady. Think of it, man. Be sincere. Now we're going to call for people to come to be prayed for. Now I want to ask you this before I do it. If Christ will do the same things on the platform tonight, for your sake, will you believe that he has raised from the dead if he'll do the very same things that he did before he was crucified and said, the things that I do shall you do also. I'll be with you, even in you, and the very works that I do, you'll do also. 
Did he say it? Did he say a little while and the world won't see me no more? But he said, yet ye shall see me, for I will be with you how long? To the end of the world. All the way to the world has never come to an end yet. And Christ is still with his believers. The world is still saying nothing to it. Fanaticism. They are scared to look at it at the word. That's why the Pharisees wouldn't believe him. They had their own little dogma. They failed to see it. Jesus said, if you would have known me, you would have known my days. Isaiah spoke of me and said the things he would do. Now, Jesus said that the things that I do shall that you do all the way to the end of the world. What did he do? He preached the gospel to the poor, to the needy. He was a common man, ordinary man. He didn't claim to be a healer. He said, it's not me that doeth the healing. It's not me that doeth the works. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. I do nothing till I see the Father show me first. Then I go do it. Is that right? And what did the Father show him? One time there's a man come to him. There had been in a little prayer meeting. A fellow had met him, brought him back, and Jesus stood and told him where he had been and who he was. And what did them Pharisees say? They say he's Beelzebub, the devil. Now, if they'd only look, now look at this Jew, Nathaniel. When he saw that done, that miracle done, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. That man knew that was the sign of the Messiah. He said, you're the Son of God, but do it. Jesus said, because I told you what your, where you had been or whatever you was, told that you was a Christian or a believer, as we call it, you believe me? You can see greater than this. Then a little woman of Samaria come one time. And he stood and talked to her a few minutes and he found her trouble. Said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any. He said, that's right, you got five. The one you're living with now is not your husband. In that thou said us right. Now look, what she said. Now she wasn't a Jew, she was a Samaritan. That had been done. She said, why... Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. We know, we Samaritans know, that when the Messiah cometh, he'll do this. That was a sign of the Messiah. We know that when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us all things. But she couldn't understand who he was. He said, I'm he that talks to you, that speaketh with you. Run into the city and said, come see a man who told me these such and such things. Isn't this the very Messiah? If that was the Messiah to the Jew, the honest Jew, if that was the Messiah to the Samaritan, the honest Samaritan, it's the sign of Messiah to the Gentile, the honest Gentile, not the church member Gentile, the honest Gentile. It's honest at heart. It looks in God's Word and sees that that's true. Now, Father God, it's in your hands. I pray that you'll heal tonight every person in divine presence. And this bunch of handkerchiefs that's laying here, and this little package, oh God, out across these deserts and across the country, they'll be going. Maybe they mean the little sick children, poor old blind daddy sitting in a room somewhere.
maybe a sick mother in a hospital. Thou knowest all about them, who they represent. And God, as we send this token, we send it because we believe that the devil is defeated in every act that he performs. And oh, God, one writer said that when the Red Sea got in the way of God, his church is coming marching on. All nature must have trembled when they seen them backed up in a corner. But God looked down through that pillar of fire, and the sea got scared. And it rolled back its walls and opened up that path that God seen in the bottom of the sea. And he took his children across on dry land. Oh, God, when these handkerchiefs are laid upon the sick, may you look to the blood of Jesus and see the promise. And may the devil get scared and move back. And may your children who are in this journey cross on to the land of good health and strength through the promise of Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, what was that we was calling from? Use, wasn't it, last night, I believe? I believe that's right. Let's call tonight from, start at 75. Who has you 75? Let's start from there. You have it, lady? All right, 75. 76. Man, you have it right over here? 77. 78. Who has prayer card 78? You, it's got a U on it, and 78. Would you raise your hand? Is this lady at 78, 79? Does this other lady have 79? 80. Raise your hand so I can see. You have 80, sir? All right. 81. Would you raise your hand? Who has 81? All right, lady. 82. All right. 83. All right. 84. All right. 83. 84. All right, sir. 84. 85. 86. All right. 87. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, eighty-nine. Well, it, I can't see it. It doesn't matter just how many. Sometimes we get to all of them. Sometimes we can't. Who, who doesn't have a prayer card and is sick? Let's see your hand. I'd like to see those. All right? Over here without prayer cards. I like to see sometimes the people who have prayer cards. I don't, we don't want them, you know, I, I want to still have a chance to get in the line, see? But <clears throat> those without. All right. How many believe that Jesus is still the same yesterday? And that woman passed through, or he passed through, and that little woman went and touched his garment, and she went off. Now, remember, all the congregation was just a hugging at him. But the little woman touched his garment, 
And then she went away out and stood in the crowd, maybe twice the size of this. Jesus said, who touched me? Now listen to this story. Who touched me? Everybody denied it. Not me, not me. Perhaps she did too. Not me. But he had a power. He said, now I got weak. Peter said, why, Lord, rebuke him. He said, all the crowds are touching you. And why say, who touched me? He said, but I perceive that I've got weak. See, she used God's gift. God never showed him nothing. She did it. That's what happens here. It's you do it. Then Jesus looked around until he found her. And he said, she had a blood issue, and she, her faith had saved her. Is that what the Bible said? Thy faith has made thee whole. Now, the Bible said in the Hebrews that Jesus Christ is a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. How many knows the Bible says that? Now, how are you going to know if there isn't some way of letting you know? He can be felt. If he's the same yesterday and forever, he operates in the same way. Is that right? That's the way he does it. Now, you look at the high priest of our confession, believe with all your heart, for he is a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, and you believe. I want you all here in the wheelchairs. A few nights ago, friends, Minneapolis, Minnesota, I seen a person bound in a wheelchair for I couldn't tell you how long. And they brought her to the platform. The poor thing, I guess, was, I just thought because she got a prayer card and was called the platform, she's going to get well. And she hadn't been on the platform a moment until a wheelchair was moved away and she was shouting and running everywhere. The other night, standing here in the building, they were telling me that a little Indian baby come to the platform with crossed eyes. I didn't know it, but in the vision of the woman that had the baby, had showed the baby being cross-eyed, and when I looked down to the baby, its eyes were just as perfect as anybody. No one prayed, no one touched it at all, nobody here, but God touched the baby. The presence of the Lord was here to heal. Why did it get it? It was a baby. It don't have the superstitions and calluses and wanderings that we have. You stand there and just talk the vision of it. God heal a baby. No prayer or nothing. God did it. That's the way God likes to do it. This is on a higher level than laying on of hands. You say, well, Brother Bam, if they lay your hands on I know. Brother Roberts, Brother Allen... Many of the other brothers who are out praying for the sick, they lay hands on them, maybe anoint them with oil. That's exactly the scripture. That's perfectly right. See, they have gifts of healing. This is a prophetic gift. That's to touch each one. That's a Jewish way of believing it. You know, Jeriah said, over there he said, come lay your hands on my little girl and she'll be well. That was a Jew. But what did the Gentiles say? I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Just say the word. That's all. There you are. What's happened to the Gentiles? Had too much teaching. That's right. That Gentile said, I'm a man under authority. Now watch what he recognized in Jesus. Said, I'm a man under authority. 
And I say to this man, you go do this, and he does it. He has to, because I've got the authority over him. And I say to this man, come, he comes. That man, go, and he goes. He said, you just speak the word. What did he recognize? He recognized that every devil and every sickness and every disease was under Jesus Christ. He was the boss of the whole situation. Just say the word. My servant will live. I'm not worthy, Lord, to come to my house. But you just say the word, and my servant will live. Jesus turned around and said, I've not found faith like that in Israel. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I want you to believe him without hands laying on. Just simply believe that the presence of the Lord is here to heal the sick. And if the Lord will come here and prove to you that his presence is here, then whose fault is it? Yours is right. Certainly. The presence of the Lord. Now, if I lay my hands on you and say, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to... I, or you say, Brother Bram, sure, heal me. Boy, he plays hands on me. Oh, I believe he's a man of God. That would be Brother Branham getting praised. But if you sit out there and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And I don't even touch it. Brother Branham has nothing to do with it. Jesus Christ gets the praise. There you are, see? It's him we want to be praised. Thy name shall be praised. And the only thing that through a divine gift, if he will permit us, we can prove that he's here. And then where he's here, his presence is here to heal. How many understands it? Amen. May granted. Now, of course you realize, I'm trying to get my manager here, Mr. Moore, to do some preaching. I'm hoarse, my throat's bad. I haven't hardly had a night off since last October or November. I've got week after week yet ahead of me. And then perhaps overseas into Africa to down in the everywhere overseas, a complete world tour laying right ahead of me. Horse and wheat. Brother Moore's a fine little man. We all love him. One of the finest men I ever met. But he says, well, Brother Branham, the people want to hear you. They, you've sent up there and talked to him. They, they believe you. I'm trusting that soul. So now, I'm trying and preaching. Sure, it throws the anointing of that other away. It's another anointing. One is the gift of preaching. Teacher, pastor, evangelist. That's all separate gifts. Prophecy is another. A seer. It's another anointing. But... God in His grace so far has helped us. I trust that He will tonight. And if He does, then that will prove His presence is here. Brother Branham has not one thing to do with it. Not one thing. Even the visions, I don't have one thing to do with it. You do that yourself. Well, say, why do you have the people on the platform? Sometimes I don't even have them here. Now, I can prove to you right now that the people don't have to be on the platform. No, sir. If the presence of the Lord is here, then his gift works without anybody on the platform. Certainly does. Have faith and believe. Trust God. Don't doubt. But have faith. The Bible said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. You 
if the audience would ever be settled to a spot where every face would look right straight to Calvary. Take me out of the picture. Look at Calvary. I'm not the high priest. He's the high priest. I have nothing to do with it. Yield myself. This here thing is a dumb mute without a voice to speak in it. So am I. How do I know? There's not a person here. Like, I believe a while ago I recognized Brother Statscliff, Julius Statscliff, uh, captain in the army. He was here somewhere. He's a good friend of mine. Wrote the book, the uh, African book. I seen him somewhere a while ago. And that, as far as I know, he, he, yeah, Brother Julius, I'm glad to see you and sister there tonight. And outside of that, looking in the audience, as far as I know, I don't know anyone. And you know, I don't, if Julius has something wrong with him, he or Sister Statcliffe, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> That's right. In the prayer line, I guess I'm a stranger. Of course, I'm Brother Brown, these men here, I know them. But I want you to believe. May the presence of the Lord come and heal the sick. What do you think about little Mexican lady sitting out on the end there, suffering with a nervous condition, taking her with a little scarf around your head? Do you believe with all your heart? You've been extremely nervous lately, haven't you? If that's right, raise up your hand. All right? Now your faith has healed you. You can go home and be well. Now do you have to have on anyone on the platform? That woman was sitting there believing that to be the truth. Watch her how she's weeping. She can't help it. That light fell right over her. That's what makes her act like that. That woman's been so nervous that the devil's even tried to tell her that she's crossed the separating line. That's right. Blackness hangs around her. But she's healed now. Little Mexican man right behind her with a back trouble. You believe God will make you well, sir? You believe that? All right, sir. That's what you had. Is that right? Raise up your hand if that's right. Now you can go home and your back trouble has left you. Amen. Here's a lady sitting right in here. Right down here looking at me. White woman looking towards me. She has a back trouble too. If she believes with all of her heart, she can be made well. If you believe it, that's up to you. God, God will do it if you'll accept it. And believe with all your heart, God will make you well. What do you think about it, little lady? You believe with all your heart? If you would, epilepsy would leave you. Never have to have it no more. You believe that God will make you well? Would you believe him, trust him? If you would, it would never bother you. You can believe with all your heart. Arthritis would leave you, sir, if you believe with all your heart. Amen. See, you don't have to have people up here. You just have to have faith. Why do you think of that throat trouble? Do you leave you? Make you well? The lady's sitting right next there. When that man raised his hand to jump to you and I seen that light go and it went up there in the balcony, that girl sitting there come back down here to you again. You had throat trouble. That's right. You believe that God make you well? It's left you now. Amen. 
Have faith in God. You believe with all your heart? I'm a stranger to you. I don't know you. God does know you. If God will tell me what's your trouble right here, you be the judge. You believe that you could accept it then? You believe it is presence to be here then? Will the audience believe with all their hearts? Now the lady's a stranger to me. I've never seen her in my life. But God knows you. You know I'm a stranger. Is that right? If it is so, the people can all raise up your hand. The lady's already anointed the lights on the lady because she's a Christian, a believer. I see the little lady all upset about something. She's praying, moving back and forth. She's got trouble with her lungs, too. That is right. Now I see something you're fixing for a... No, you have been operated on. It was a gall condition you was operated on for. That's right. Then you're upset about somebody. A son, about 21 years old, that a spirit of evil has overcome the boy. That's right. I can't heal, but you can't hide your life now. It's in his presence. That's true. Will you believe God for these things? Oh, God of heaven. Send thy mercy upon the woman, and may she go from here and be made well. And may the tears on this handkerchief be token for her son. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, little lady. Go believe in don't doubt, have faith. not bad, son. Don't worry. Believe you, just believe you. You're a fine young man. It's a shame. Don't worry, you'll come, overcome that now. You'll just believe. I've never seen you in my life as an oil, but God knows you. You're not here for yourself. You're here for somebody else. That man doesn't even, he's not even here. He lives in California. That man's your brother. And he's had something wrong with him. And that, that's connected with this same thing here. Your brother had something like the flu, and it hurt him, and it affected his mind. That's right. That is true. You believe that he'll, he'll be healed? Go tell Mr. Buford then that he'll be healed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may he receive it.
God bless you. Go believe him with all your heart. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Now here's that same thing again. No, here it is. If you are suffering with a nervous condition and with trouble in your bowels, that's right. And your husband's suffering with a bowel trouble too and a mental condition. That's exactly right. There's that devil trying to move through there. All right, take that handkerchief and lay it on him. In the name of Jesus Christ, may he be made. Have faith in God. Do you believe His presence is here to heal? I have nothing to do with it. Now, I don't know you. But God does know you, doesn't He? You believe it. All right? You've got a, a nervous condition. You've got something wrong in your side. Right. You have a heart trouble. Right. Yes, you're a nervous heart. Let me tell you, if you believe me to be God's prophet, you do that, Amen. you won't be praying for your grandson because he's got a nervous trouble. Amen. That's right, isn't it? Amen. Then you believe me? Amen. Then in Jesus' name, receive what you ask for. Amen. Have faith in God. If thou canst believe. Now, what is it, friend? It's not me. It's the presence of the Lord. He's here to heal the sick, to make you well. Believe Him. Well, your trouble's in your arms and in your back. And about two days ago, you got a fall and hurt them all over again. Right. That's strange to you? You're not from here anyhow. You're not Glendale, away. Your name's Mary, isn't it? Go home and be made well. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Have faith in God. Do you believe? How'd he do so? I never seen you in my life, did I? As far as I know. You've seen me, but I've never seen you. Well, here's one thing I want to tell you. A few nights ago, sitting here in the audience, you accepted your healing from a heart trouble. That's right. Is that right? <laughs> All right. And you're here now for somebody else. It's your stepson. Exactly right. He's got a spinal condition. Exactly right. He's an alcoholic. You don't even know where he's at. Is that right? You believe me to be his prophet? Then the presence of the Lord is sure to give you your request. Oh, God, in Christ's name, may he receive it. Amen. God bless you. You believe? Now, friends, this could just keep on going, going, going. But I, I, it's, I'm getting weak. That's exactly right. What is it? Because you people are doing it. 
Your faith is the doing it. It's just a pulley. Just a pulley. Now, this lady here, I've never looked at her. I couldn't even tell you whether she's a young woman or an old woman. If God will show me here what's wrong with this woman, will you believe with all your heart? All right, lady, if you believe with all your heart, you can go and meet your supper, and the ulcer in your stomach will be gone. You believe it? All right, then go eat your supper. In the name of the Lord. If you believe with all your heart, kidney trouble will leave you. That you believe you get well? Let's say praise the Lord. Do you believe His presence is here? How much do you believe? With all your heart? I wonder if there's a sinner here that believes that His presence is here. Do you? Do you believe He's here? It may be your darkest hour that you've had right now. But if you believe with all your heart, will you come here and stand with me just a moment for prayer? Will you do it? God bless you, sir. Come right out. That's the way to do it. Move right out. Amen. God bless you. What about you, lady, sitting there? You want to come up? God will heal you that poor circulation that you've been having sitting there. That shock you? <laughs> you've been having poor circulation, haven't you? That's right. Raise up your hand. All right. Come stand here. All right, sinner. Come on now. It's your time, backslider, you lukewarm church member, you sinner. It's your time to come while the presence of the Lord is here. Will you believe it? Let's bow our heads now just a moment. Oh, God, if this is the last meeting that Phoenix will ever have, you witness yourself alive. You are here. Your presence is here to do the greatest healing, to heal the sin-sick soul. To heal the weary, to bring those in who are indifferent, those people who join church and doesn't know you by the Spirit. They've never been born again. They don't know what it means to have peace, that perfect peace that passes understanding. I pray, God, that you'll cast away all the fear and bring those people around this altar just now and give a healing to the body of Christ. And Lord, if there be some here who's so churchy and so indifferent that they won't fellowship with the other groups, God, I pray that you'll make them ashamed of themselves. And if they're guilty of this sin, may they come to the altar now and confess their self. And may there be a breaking up in Phoenix, an old-fashioned get-together, a pouring out of the Holy Ghost because of your presence. Grant it, Lord. Now I ask you to come. With your heads bowed in prayer, while the choir sings with us, will you come? Come, sinner, I want you to stand around the altar, backslider and backbiter. I want you to come and stand around the altar. In Christ's name, if you judge me to be his prophet, I'll tell you this, that in Christ's name, you will pay for your sins if you leave this building tonight without coming here and making things right before God. Now, if you believe me by visions, if you believe that God has spoke to me and believe that he speaks through me, make your way to this altar. If you are not right with God, let us sing. Always. As I without one plea, 
That's right, young man. Walk right down. God bless your gallant soul. If you'll hear me, if right here on this platform the power of God can make a blind baby or crooked-eyed baby come straight, cause the things to happen that's been happening, standing here and proven by infallible proofs that he's here, sure he wants your soul. Just remember, in the morning may be too late. At 11 o'clock tonight may be too late. An ambulance may be screaming and blood running out of your vessels to your arms and you're gone. What did he say? If you walk, accept me, neglect me, in the days while you are now, in the days of your calamity, I'll only laugh at you. What would it be if you were a cold, formal church member sitting here expecting the church to take you to heaven? The church will only confuse you. Christ can take you to heaven, and Him alone. I don't care if you're a Catholic, that doesn't matter. A Catholic, if a Christian, a Catholic is a Christian and believes on the Lord and born again, he'll go to heaven. If a Methodist, that don't matter, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or a Pentecostal. No matter, oh, you say I've spoken tongues, that don't have nothing to do with it. I've shouted. That still don't have nothing to do with it. Paul said I could speak in tongues like men and angels and still be lost. I could have faith to move mountains and still be lost. That ain't it. If the divine love of God isn't in your heart to take everything of the world out, you're lost. That's right. And the devil's only deceiving you. Now, if you believe me to be his servant, if God has proved by his word, by his spirit, that I'm telling you the truth, then listen to me. Tomorrow may be too late. Come now while we sing once more, just as I am. Everyone now, here's your last call. After this call, it'll be between you and God. I'm willing. Look at this nice big altar call here. Sinners repenting. Won't you come and join with them? Come on now while we sing just once more. All right, sister. Just as I am, thou will. God bless you, little boy. coming from the balcony. They may be coming to the altar. I want them to come right on. I'm waiting for you, dear friend. Oh, this little body of yours is not worth very much, but that soul's worth 10,000 worlds. This is healing on a higher level. This is eternal healing. If a man gets healed here at the platform, he'll be sick again if he lives long. But if a man gets saved here, he's got everlasting life and will be raised up in the last days. That's the difference. This is eternal healing. This is temporarily healing. But Christ is sure proving. Now look, has he proved it?
First his word said so. Then he come. He moved to the audience. Showed signs and wonders that he was alive. Then he, I made a call because he told me to. I made an altar call. Last night I didn't. Tonight he told me to do it. When I made the altar call, he said, there's people to come. I made the altar call. No man can come to me except my father draws him first. Is he here? Certainly. And all that comes to me, I'll give them everlasting life and will raise them up at the last days. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall never come to the judgment that's passed from death to life. You come because you have been warned of God, you've accepted it, and you, when you come here and bow your heads and surrender to God and repent of your sins, you are born again. You are a candidate then to be baptized into the church by the Holy Ghost, into the body of Christ. There's only one baptism. That's Holy Ghost baptism. By one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. You become a believer, born again, when you believe. He that heareth my words, believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life right now. But God baptizes you into the body and puts you into the service by the Holy Ghost. This is what you do for God. That's what God does for you. There's the difference. You repent and accept what God has done. Then God gives you the next, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter said today at Pentecost, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to them as far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This, this is the same gospel that Peter preached at the day of Pentecost. Same signs, same wonders, same things, same Jesus. Just closing now, so I'll be sure God ever won. The Bible says, there will be a day when it will not be light or dark. Did the Bible say that? Right. But in the evening, it shall be light. Notice, this Bible is an oriental book. The light geographically rises in the east. It sets in the west. And civilization has traveled from east westward. We're at the west coast now where the east and west meet. Look, when the sun rose in the eastern country, the baptism of the Holy Ghost fell upon the apostles and the Jews. Now, since then, there's been a dismal day. It hasn't been light. Neither has it been dark. It's been a gloomy day. Just a day to join church and membership. But the Bible promised in the evening that same sun that shined over there will shine out in the evening time. Here it is on the Gentiles. The sun shined in the east. It's shining in the west. It's sunsetting time. The Holy Ghost is here doing the very thing. Here now. It'll be light. In the evening time. Hallelujah. Oh, my poor Irish heart is thrilled to know that we are accepted. Praise be to God. This is that. I want every minister now to take their place around this altar here. Every minister and co-worker. Everyone make your way. If there be some left, come around. You're now going to see great healing. 
That's right. Oh, my. It'll be light in the evening. The same Jesus that worked with the Jews in the east, the same Jesus is alive tonight with the Gentiles in the west. It's evening time. The same Holy Ghost, the same signs, the same wonders, the same scoffers, the same church members scoffing, making fun. There'll come scoffers in the last days, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. It's evening time. The evening lights are here. Let's have a Christian bow your head now. I want to talk to these that's at the altar. God bless you, sister. Go on your road now and be made well. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, what a moment. What a moment. I spoke in his name. He turned around and spoke back that I told the truth. You accepted that on the basis of God's Word. He's here. They heal you. Heal your soul. Make you a Christian. You Indian. You Spanish. You Anglo-Saxon. Whoever you are. God's here. God's here. Little girl, the Lord Jesus is here. To make you ever with whole, honey. Little boy, Jesus is here. Grandmother, Jesus is here. Grandfather, Jesus is here. Young man, Jesus is here. Oh, young lady, Jesus is here. He's here. He's accepting you because you've come to him. Now we're going to offer prayer. And I want every person to bow your head, everyone to join with us in prayer. Oh, eternal and everlasting God, upon whom the crown of immortality has been set, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. Moses and Elijah and all has passed away. All laws and ceremonies is finished. This is my beloved Son. Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, he said. I'll give you rest. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. These people, Lord Jesus, as you're here at the platform in this great power, Showing yourself infallible, the resurrected one. The proof. Oh, no excuses. People are left without an excuse. You're here. And here stands Spanish, Indian, Anglo-Saxon, Irish, German, all different types of people. As thou hast died to save the world. And Abraham called the father of nations. Through the seed by Isaac come Christ, through Christ's death, we become dead to the things of the world and joint heirs with him and are Abraham's seed. And we call those things which are not as though they are as though they were not, because we believe God's word. With the operation of the Holy Spirit, who could raise a ranked sinner from his seat and send him up here to this altar. Something's happened. Something's taken place. How could a pig ever be told that he's wrong? How could the lamb ever make the pig believe that his diet was wrong? Never could he until the nature of the pig had been changed. 
Oh, God, that's what you've done to these people tonight. You convinced them that they're wrong, and they want their nature changed. And you changed their attitude and brought them to this altar. And here they stand as penitent souls. Oh, as your servant, Lord, I call on you in Jesus' name and ask that every soul here will be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Grant it, Lord. Heal every sick person physically that's in the building. Get glory out of the service, Lord, just now. In Jesus' name, we wait for this great power to take place. Now with our heads bowed. Prayer of faith shall save the sick, spiritually, physically, whatever way it is. Now you people standing here that's praying with the sinner, lay your hand over on them. Put your hand over on the sinner. Out in the audience. Now, everyone reverently. I want to know at these who are standing here who come for salvation, that you thoroughly believe that Christ, the Son of God, brought you from your seat to stand here before these people. No man can come to me except my Father draws him. You could not have come on your own power. You are a dead, motionless person without something operating you. And do you mean to tell me that the devil would make you raise in your seat and come here? Never. It was some kind of a spirit come within you that said you're wrong. You go up to that altar and confess your sins. I'll be there to meet you. That's him talking to you now. And as you have bowed your head and confessed your sins, God is just to forgive them. And now, God being so just to forgive you your sins, will you raise your right hand to God and accept Christ as your Savior now? Now that's something, God bless you, every person, everyone has their hands up, thanks be to God. They now accept Christ. What did you do when you raised your right hand? You broke every scientific law there is. Gravitation would have held your hand down. But the spirit that's within you made a choice. And God calls you to raise your hand towards heaven to him, to accept him as your Savior. You are saved by the grace of God. And by doing that, you have eternal life. Do you desire the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If you do, raise up your hand. If you desire the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right on the same ground that you're saved on, Jesus sends the Holy Ghost for you. If you will believe. I want the audience to stand to their feet. Just a moment. Some good boy. Have you to pray a prayer. Brother Ballard. Brother Ford. Some of you. Come here. One of you. Friends, these are new babies. These people are born again. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted him as personal Savior. Their names, a few moments ago, went on the book of life. That's God's eternal word. Do you believe it? Say amen. amen. Now they want the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be co-workers with us together out here in this great field. I want the people who have the Holy Ghost now come laying around close, ministers especially, to lay hands on them. While I'm going to ask Brother Ballard if he'll come forth and pray the prayer and every one of us together that these people will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All right, Brother Ballard, while we bow our hands.